Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age heroes throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us now this week. We are looking at issue 52 of Green Lantern, published on the 23rd of February 1967, with a cover date of April 1967. It's the third team-up between the Golden Age and Silver Age Green Lanterns. Not that you can tell that from the cover. Pete, would you like to tell us about the cover? I certainly shall, yes. The cover is very striking. It's basically split in half. First of all, I have to say, as usual, the amazing Google checks at the top, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. We've got the Green Lantern logo with a kind of orangey burning effect through it, which is really cool. On the left-hand side of the cover, we have Hal Jordan charging his power ring against his power battery, and he's saying... In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let... And on the other side of the cover, we have a mirror image of it with Sinestro, the evil Green Lantern, charging his yellow power ring against his yellow power battery. And he's saying, Let those who worship justice's might beware my power, Sinestro's light. And underneath that, we have a caption saying, He's back again, for better and worse. The sinister Sinestro. I do like this cover. I mean, I should probably mention at this point, this early juncture, I've owned my copy of Green Lantern 52 since... 1992, something like that. It's one of the comics that's been in my collection the longest. And I've always liked this cover. It's just so... Striking. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love the power battery sort of split mm-hmm. in half. It almost looks like they're squaring up at each other and like it's balancing this little box. It's very, very effective. We should talk about Sinestro's enormous left hand. Yes. <laughs> I think that's uh, coming right at you. It's very, very um, 3D. Yeah. It's a very effective cover, as you say, the logo burning in bright orange is very, very effective against yes. the black. It's it's a stoter, Indeed. as we say in Glasgow. So, um, Sinestro, we should give you some details on Sinestro. He's the, the Green Lantern who went wrong, basically. First appeared in issue 7, published in May 1961, and he got his famous yellow power ring in issue 9. And in the modern day comics, he's certainly sort of post-2000 sort of time, you know, certainly 21st century. He's a much bigger deal, I think, than he ever was, you mm-hmm. know, back in the day. He had his own ongoing title during the New 52 period. Yeah. Still pops up fairly regularly. So it's um it's nice to welcome him to the podcast, yes. finally, as it were. Indeed. Mm. Shall we jump into the story? I think that's a great idea. Excellent. So we have an opening splash panel which shows Green Lantern Hal Jordan, Green Lantern Alan Scott, with Kate billowing behind him, and his mate Doiby Dickles. They're beholding Doiby's taxi cab, Goytrude, which, it must be said, has a very malevolent expression going about its headlights and stuff. <laughs> from one headlight, there's a burst of yellow energy, and it looks like there's a burst of green energy coming out from the other one. There's a sort of sooted bad guy hanging out the side of Goytrude, and as it rumbles towards them, Green Lantern Hal Jordan says, Ah! <gasps> the old taxi's headlights! An incredible power surging out of them! And Alan Scott, Green Lantern, continues by saying, Paralyzing us! And then Doiby Dickles exclaims, Goytrude, how could you do that to your old pal Doiby Dickles? A nice little scroll caption that says, Story by John Broom, art by Gil Kane, and then there's a large caption box at the bottom which says, What fantastic secret lay behind the mysterious transformation of Goytrude from a peaceable antique taxicab into the directing chieftain on wheels of a ruthless gang of desperados? This was the gnawing problem that absorbed the energies of two Green Lanterns. The one of yesterday and today's Emerald Gladiator, and embarked them side by side on one of the most astonishing adventures ever recorded. Our mastermind, the the car. And this is where we should probably say, and some of you may know this already, our mastermind, the car, is a riff on the name of a short-lived but notorious American sitcom called My Mother, the Car. Of course. Um, which ran from September 1965 to April 1966, clocking up 30 episodes, but we can't really say too much more about that at this point, because it'll give too much of the story away. So, into the story then, over the page, and the first caption says, As airplane mechanic Thomas Kalnaku relays warm regards to his wife from a letter he had just received. And we see Tom and Mrs. Tom in their kitchen at home. Tom is reading from the letter and he says, 
and tell Turga I sure miss her home-cooked meals. And his wife says, That's sweet of Hal Jordan to praise my cooking, Thomas, but tell me, how is he? What has he been doing since he left Coast City? Uh, nothing very much, Turga. He's still got the wanderlust going from place to place. The caption for panel three says, Waiter with Mrs. Kalmaku off shopping. You see a nice shot of Tom looking out the window. You can see his missus running off. Tom is thinking, I couldn't read her all of Hal's letter, or she'd suspect that he is Green Lantern, especially if she learned that he not only sent regards to her, but also to Doivy Dickel's old taxi, Goitrude. The next panel shows Tom at a drawer in his desk, and he's taking a book out and saying, Of course, Turgard doesn't know anything about Goitrude, just as she is completely unaware that here in my desk I keep a certain precious notebook under lock and key. My precious casebook of Green Lantern. And a little asterisk in a, an editorial caption says, Tom is not only Green Lantern's confidant, but also his foremost fan and unofficial biographer. And then Tom continues in the next couple of panels at the bottom of page two. It occurs to me, reader, that you still know nothing about one of my idol's most exciting adventures involving Goytrude, which took place at a time when Hal was still living in Coast City and working as a test pilot for the Ferris Aircraft Company. In many ways, this is the Emerald Gladiator's most extraordinary case. Settle back now as I read to you the adventure I've entitled Our Mastermind the Car. So, because he's addressing the reader, is this the, the Tom of Earth Prime? Does this mean that there's already a Green Lantern on Earth Prime? Does this mean that there's already a Goytrude on Earth Prime? Or does Tom just have some magical ability in which he knows he's a fictional character? Yes. Is this for... Did Grant Morrison read this before he wrote those issues of Animal Man? Possibly. Mm -hmm. Possibly. You can see. So now the top of story, page three, and Tom narrates the caption, and he says... Coast City. Inside a coffee shop near the apartment of test pilot Hal Jordan. Now we see Hal and Alan in civvies. Alan in a blue suit. Hal in a sort of purple suit. And we must say the artwork here is very Gil Kane in the classical sense. You can, yes. There's a definite relaxation to some of the facial features. It's getting a little bit more stylized. It looks like they're having lunch or dinner somewhere. Anyway, and they're whispering. Hal says, I wonder what the people around us would think, Alan, if we revealed to them that you come from another Earth, similar to ours in almost every way, but in a different dimension of the cosmos. I guess they'd be almost a surprise, Hal, if they found out we were both Green Lanterns. You, the Emerald Gladiator of this world, Earth-1, and I, the Green Lantern of Earth-2. And Hal says, And that you'll pay me a visit, which, incidentally, I appreciate, Alan. This is not just a visit, Hal. Remember the adventure we had with Prince Peril? At the end of which my pal Doivy Dickles married the princess, and we too were sort of left out in the cold. I sure do. That was a surprise ending for both of us. And we get a tiny editor's note there referring us to Green Lantern issue 45, which we covered a few episodes ago. Yes. So when we move to panel four, page three, Alan continues. Well, the first anniversary of Doivy's marriage is coming up. I thought of sending him a special gift, his beloved cab, Goytrude, which was left behind here on your earth after the adventure. And Hal replies with a big smile on his face. Say, that sounds great. Before we go any further, I just want to say panel three, there's a very appetising look at plate being offered to, to a customer there in this dinner. It looks like egg and chips. It probably isn't chips or fries. I don't know. Indeed. A bit hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Could go a full breakfast. Mm. Don't mind saying. Anyway, so... Alan and Hal have now left the restaurant and they're still whispering. And Hal says, We can use our power rings together to project the car to Doiby. As a matter of fact, I've been keeping Godrew in my garage, just in case your Doiby ever asked for it. So there's no problem. Soon at Hal's garage. See Alan and Hal. Hal's lifting up the door to the garage. And Alan says, We'll use our combined power beams to gift wrap it before we shoot it off. I can imagine Doiby's face when he sees Godrew pop into sight before his eyes. I've even kept Goytrude's battery charged. Over the page now to page four, you can see a nice point of view shot from inside the garage um, of Hal raising the door to the garage, and he says, The cab! St stolen! Alan says, Odd that someone would steal that old cab and leave your deluxe sport car lying alongside, untouched. After a search has revealed no clues, a single thought pulses between the two crusaders. This is a great panel. There's a burst of emerald energy as the two lanterns Shed their civilian clothes, and Alan says, 
This mystery calls for immediate investigation by, by Green Lantern. Fantastic. This is a great panel. That panel's going on the socials, kids. Yep. So, we move to the middle of page four, and the caption says... Meanwhile, in another part of the night-enshrouded city, a car, an old-fashioned taxi, rolls along. But even a casual observer might discern an incredible sight, that there is no one at the wheel. So this middle sequence of panels on page four shows Goitrude the taxi rumbling along the streets on their own. And we should be drawn very similar to what I said about the splash page. It looks like she has a face because the headlights look like eyes, don't they? Yes, anthropomorphism. Yes. Yes. And in this final panel, in this little sequence, we get close of the steering wheel moving on its own. And there's a thought bubble because the car appears to be thinking, and it appears to be thinking. My telepathic powers inform me that a crime is going on around the corner. The caption for the next panel says, No one at the wheel, so who is doing the thinking? Patience, reader, there is almost certainly more here than meets your eye. Arrive at the bottom of page four now, and first of these two panels shows Goitrude speeding round a street corner. You can see bam, crack sound effects, and Goitrude appears to think, I was right. And continues in the next panel, A gang in a gun battle with police. They must have looted that bank but were caught on emerging that clumsy lout. Yes, there's a very moody panel here. Was it you called it once? Is it the Dutch the, tilt? The Dutch tilt. Yes. Yeah, sort of behind Goitrude. We can see a couple of policemen behind a car firing at some robbers who are firing from the bank, one of whom has a purple suit, one of whom has a stripy suit, one of them has a more sort of plain brown suit. Um, and the other guys that Goitrude appears to be condemning. So we arrive at the top of page five. Goitrude pulls to a stop outside the bank. And the hood in the suit says, We gotta give up! We're trapped! Huh? Look! That car! And then Goitrude seems to talk and says, Quick! This way! This next panel, again, Gil Kane is firing on all cylinders, if you pardon the pun, I suppose, in this next panel, because we're up above looking down on the, the gangsters and the car, and the hood in the plain suit is saying, Who's talking to us? I don't see anybody in there! And in the straight suit, Hood says, Never mind! The door's opening. It's our chance to escape. Sure enough, Goitrude's door has swung open. The next panel shows the baddies piling out of the bank, piling into Gertrude, one of whom's even climbing through the window. And Goitrude's voice says, Keep low. Hang on. Stripey suit guy says, Who's talking? That strange voice. And then purple suit guy says, No one is to tell me to keep low. The caption of the next panel. Then... Goitrude speeds off, leaving some cops in the dust. One of the cops says, They're making a getaway. Another cop brandishing his gun right after the car says, The captain will never believe us when we tell him this. Almost a bit of a slow dissolve then. The caption for the next panel says, Through the night, the ancient cab careens. And from inside the cab, one of the bank robbers says, We got away all right, but where are we going? I don't know, but wherever it is, we're going there fast. So Craig can scoot. And in the final panel of page five, we get a little bit of dialogue as one of the gangsters from inside the car says, Hey, this place looks familiar. Of course it's familiar, you chump. This is our hideout. And we see, sure enough, Goitrude driving into what looks like another little garage. Over the page, top of page six, and the bad guys all start piling out of the car. And plain suit guy says, How'd this jalopy know to bring us here? A purple suit guy says, It's almost as if it can read our minds. And then Goitrude says, So, this is your hideout. It's a slum. Later on, we'll move to more suitable headquarters. Plain suit guy says in the next panel. Later on, Goitrude says. Sure, I'm going to take over this gang. You'll all be rich. We can see in the foreground of this panel that stripey suit hood guy has lifted the bonnet in front of Goitrude's car. And he's poking around and he's thinking, there must be a midget under this hood. And then Goitrude says, just obey orders. What you got from that bank is chicken feed. I'll plan our next crime so it'll go off without a hitch. Stripey suit guy says, Look, the voice is coming from the horn. Purple suit guy says, There's no one in there. Goitrude says, Don't be so nosy. Now close the hood and pay attention. And we get a from Stripey suit guy. We arrive then at the bottom of page six. And Goitrude is obviously finishing a sentence. Some instructions that she's been giving the baddies and she's saying, You got everything straight? And plain suit guy is recoiling and he looks like he's fainting actually because he's being supported by purple suit guy. And plain suit guy says, 
This is like that TV show, Amata the Car. Only with us, it's our mastermind, the car. <laughs> Do you see what he did? They said the thing there, look. Did you yes. see? Drink. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> take a drink every time they say the name of the story. And it's very interesting that um, television programmes on Earth 1 <laughs> are obviously the same as what we got on our Earth. Except on Earth 1, it ran for 18 seasons. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Keep and we got another high-angle panel. Let's close out page 6. As Goytrude says, Climb in. We're going places. I'm going to show you how to commit a real crime. And the pinstripe suited gangster says, Yes, sir. I mean, uh, yes, sir. Continued in the second page following, we get a nice full page advert for some G.I. Joe toys. And as we arrive at the top of page seven, we have a caption that says, Meanwhile, reports of the bank robbery have brought, among others, two interested parties to the scene. And we see both Green Lanterns conversing with a couple of policemen. Hal Jordan is saying, You say there was no one at the wheel of the old taxi that zoomed in and carried off the thieves officer? The policeman replies, No one, Green Lantern. It seemed to operate by itself. In panel two, the two Green Lanterns conspire almost together. We can see the policeman stroking his chin and listening to them, trying to listen to them behind them. Hal says, from the description, that getaway car could have been Goitrude. Alan replies, incredible. It's as if the old cab has somehow come alive and taken up crime. Panel three, the two Green Lanterns fly off. Alan says, if that's true and Doiby ever hears about it, he'll absolutely die of shame. Is Goitrude helping criminals? We've got to locate it. We can't rest until we do. Elsewhere in the city. With another high panel shot looking down at Goitrude as the, the gangsters are all emerging from her. And Goitrude is saying, Fellow criminals, my telepathic powers inform me that an armoured car carrying the Central Insurance Company payroll will be here any moment. Purple suit bad guy says, We'll be ready, chief. The next panel, we see Goitrude sort of screeching around as... An armoured car comes out of the panel from the bottom. Goitrude seems to yell, Attention! Here it comes! Carry out the orders I've given you! Caption of the next panel. Then... And we see indeed that the armoured car is brought to halt. It's honking its horn at Goitrude, and from inside the armoured car, a voice says, That old jalopy won't move! There's nobody inside it. It looks abandoned. Top of page eight now, the caption of the first panel says, as two of the armoured car occupants move out cautiously to investigate. Be careful. This could be some kind of plant. We'll just push it aside. Gantry will cover us. And they're moving now towards Goitrude, obviously. Then the caption for the next panel says, The next instant, when hands touch Goitrude, there's a giant burst of what looks like electricity and a zzzz sound effect. And the two armoured car guards with a uh, are knocked out. The next panel shows the gangsters Bursting out, plain suit guy says, The car said it would send an electric charge out of its battery and KO the guards. Purple suit guy says, That's our signal to move. Next panel shows a very sweaty and nervous looking armoured car driver as one of the, the hoods holds a gun at him. The hood says, Don't try anything. Drop your gun. And again, we've got another bit of fourth wall breaking here. <laughs> Almost it looks like the armoured <laughs> car driver is looking right at us because he says, They got me. Dead to rights. I wonder if the sitcom ever had people breaking the fourth wall and looking at the camera and going, Possibly. It's not, it's not what we had here in the UK, as far no, as I'm aware. So. I'm only aware of it because it was discussed very recently on the, the excellent Benji Nick Show podcast. Oh, right, okay. You should check that out, listeners. It's a very regular podcast where they talk about cult telly and it's great. And they gave us a shout out recently, so we were them one. We arrive now at the bottom panels on page eight. Green Lantern and Green Lantern are flying down on the, the scene. Alan says, It's Goitrude. And Al continues, with crooks, looting an armoured car. Let's go, Alan. In the next panel, we can see the, the hoods have noticed the two Green Lanterns flying down. Stripey suit guy says, Green Lantern, followed by another Green Lantern. We're done for, boys. But Goitrude says, Get in, you fools. I'll handle them. Continued on third page following. And we pass an advertisement for an 80-page giant issue of The Flash. We pass the letters page for the issue, and then we arrive at the top of page nine. As the green-garbed arrivals swoop toward their quaking foes, the headlights of the old taxi blaze with astonishing brilliance. Yeah, this is almost like the splash panel. The headlights do indeed blaze. Both Green Lanterns raise their hands up to their faces trying to block out the beam. Hal says, those lights, blinding! My eyes! Says Alan. The caption of the next panel says, 
In the confusion, Goitrude executes a swift turn, and, before the dazed gladiators can recover their wits, a thick cascade of exhaust fumes overwhelms them. <coughs> the two Green Lanterns are caught in the fumes. Goitrude races off, and from inside Goitrude, one of the, the gangsters says, I can hardly believe it. We're getting away. The car has beaten both Green Lanterns. Fantastic. We have a bit of a slow dissolve now. Change of scene, caption says. And shortly on the far-off world of Merc in Galaxy 882, where Doiby Dickles lives with his bride, Princess Ramia. That's an excellent scene setting caption there, isn't it? Well done, Peter. Well done. So we see Princess Ramia looking very relaxed in a large blue armchair. She's knitting, which is amazing. They have knitting in Galaxy 882. Doiby runs in, and it looks like he's got a Green Lantern power ring on, actually. There's a little burst of green energy coming from it. As he rushes in, Doiby says, Princeress! Princeress! I just got a message over my super galactic ring receiver from my old buddy Alan Scott, Green Lantern! The princess says, How nice, Doiby dear. And what did Mr. Scott have to say? He didn't give me any details, but he asked me to meet him on Earth One. He needs my help. Well, if your friend needs you, Doiby darling, I suppose you'd better leave at once. Take the Royal Space Scooter, and don't forget your dimension changer. You'll need it to get to Earth One. Princess, you're a living doll. Next panel we can see Doiby flying off, and it looks like a, a tiny little red space capsule rocket submarine cross. It's quite interesting. The princess is waving away, and she says, Be careful, Doiby. Don't worry. Only Green Lantern could make me leave you for even a minute. Now, I just want to quickly say, the last time we saw Doiby, he was still wearing his jester's outfit. Yes. That Prince Peril had stuck him in. So it's nice to see him here, back in his traditional clothing. So we're now at the top of page 10. And the caption says, As the royal consort of Merc settles down to his starry journey. And we see Doiby inside his little royal space scooter. He's looking at the little glowing Green Lantern style ring that he has in his right hand. And he's thinking, Alan gave me this ring in case I needed to contact him. We didn't realise it would be used because he needed my help. And that makes me wonder, what could be wrong? How can I help Green Lantern? Sure seems strange for me to be going to his assistance, but I'll find out soon what's up. This Royal Scooter really hightails along. It's a cracking shot of the Royal Space Scooter on panel 2, page 10. It looks almost 3D, you know, the depth of yeah, it's with the little yellow moon sort of planet in front mm-hmm. of it. It's, it's very nice. So, slow dissolve. On Earth One, where an outshooting green beam has guided the lone spaceman. Yes, we see the two Green Lanterns. Hal Jordan is projecting a beam up into the air, and we can see the Royal Space Scooter flying down towards them. Hal says, here he comes. And Doiby's thinking from inside his capsule. It's Alan and Hal. Green Lantern. After warm greetings have followed the landing. Doiby looks very pained here as Alan Scott is saying to him. We have sad news to tell you, Doiby. Brace yourself. It seems that Goitrude has taken up crime. My Goitrude? As the sad truth emerges... It's obvious here that Alan is trying to reassure Doiby. As he comes to the end of the story tale, he has to tell him what Green Lantern of Earth 2 is saying. And we can't explain it. All we know is the car is leading a gang of crooks in a spectacular crime wave. And Hal adds... Alan and I might have hollered it by now if we weren't afraid of damaging Goitrude. Alan continues in the final panel, page 10. We want you to help us, Doiby, because you and Goitrude have always been so close. If you could only appeal to the car. Gee, you mean, maybe I can persuade Goitrude to give up crime? Top of page 11, both Green Lanterns are taken to the air, bearing Doiby between them. Doiby is saying, I'll try, but where is she? And Hal says, We'll find her. No doubt she's up to some mischief right now. Caption for the next panel then says, and elsewhere, for a glimpse of the quarry at this moment... And we're back with Goitrude and the Gangsters. Goitrude and the Gangsters, of course, were supporting menswear at the Camden Barfly in 1995. I was there. Was were awesome. you? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Got one of their t-shirts. Brilliant. I don't I don't have a Goitrude and the Gangsters t-shirt or a menswear t-shirt. I've got a Montrose Avenue t-shirt. That was the band that Matt, the drummer from menswear, joined after he left menswear. Anyway, so the Gangsters are all piling into Goitrude. And Goitrude is saying... Get in. We're heading for our biggest coup yet. And Goitrude is thinking... These simpletons don't realise what the big coup will be. 
no reason why I should tell them that I'm hunting for the two green lanterns. Panel three of page 11. Soon. See Goitrude speeding across the, the blacktop, and one of the goons is saying, Where are we going? We seem to be circling around. Goitrude is thinking. There they are, with someone else. But that doesn't matter. I've got to step on the gas, catch up to them. Thanks, panel. We're up in the air, looking down from behind Green Lantern and Doiby, and we see Goitrude speeding along underneath them. Alan says, Doiby, look right below us. Goitrude! Goitrude! Caption for the final panel on page 11 says, As the trio lands, suddenly... And we see Goitrude again, flashing the headlights, full on, at the two Green Lanterns and at Doiby. Doiby says, It's me, Doiby! Oh! And Hal exclaims, Those headlights again! But this time, some strange new power is coming out of them. Top of page 12 now, the gangsters have emerged from Goitrude and are walking towards Doiby and the Green Lanterns. Striped suit gangster says, Crazy man! The car's lights are frozen, the Green Lanterns, and that other fat fink, stiff as boards. Goitrude says, Not frozen them, you fools. I've simply paralysed them by an intense mental onslaught on their nervous systems, operating through the super-activated photons of the headlights, and synchronised with the laser-like light beam. And Striped Suit Gangster looks utterly confuzzled by this, and he says, Oh! Goitrude continues in the next panel. The effects will last at least 24 hours, long enough for me to carry out my overall plan. But I must start now. Stand back, all of you. Stripey Suit Gangster says, What's going on? And we get a nice malevolent close-up of one of Goitrude's headlamp eyes in the next panel. As Goitrude says, Further, get back. I'm about to tap the energy in the power rings of the two paralysed Green Lanterns. In the next panel, there's a massive brow sound effect, and we see that the two Green Lantern rings are firing beams at Gertrude, and it looks as though Gertrude is blown up. Gosh. I know. Over the page to page 13, uh-oh, the caption for the first massive panel says, Out of the wrecked vehicle, an astonishing figure has materialised, as if by magic. And yes, taking up the bulk of page 13, tis none other than... Sinestro. Da-da-da. And I have to say, if you weren't expecting Sinestro to turn up after seeing the cover at this point, you're probably daft. But um, Sinestro, looking very, very, very scary, plain suit guy, exclaims, The car's demolished, but look! Purple suit guy says, Who are you? And Sinestro declares, What? You don't recognise me? It's true, I gained weight on my energy diet in the amber in which Green Lantern had imprisoned me. And so I'm somewhat bigger than before. Still, I think you'd know at once that I am Sinestro, Green Lantern's mortal enemy. And we get a little footnote which says, Editor's Note, the renegade Green Lantern who has always stood in these pages as the very personification of evil. Evil! So the next panel shows the three gangsters cowering, they're sweating, they look terrified. Sinestro looms above them, saying... With my mind imprisoned in that car, I saw only one way to free myself, by using the combined ring force of my foes. A typically ironic Sinestro manoeuvre, if I may say so. The next caption is narrated by Tom, because if you remember he's telling us about this story in flashback. Tom's little flashbacky caption head says, Later, reader, you will learn how Sinestro happened to be inside Goitrude. But now we must get on with our story. Striped suit guy saying to Sinestro, Well, uh, congratulations, Sinestro. Now that you're yourself again, you won't be needing us, huh? So we'll, uh, be taken off. Nonsense. I'm recruiting you as the nucleus of my criminal army to carry out a gigantically evil scheme. You wouldn't think of refusing to join me, would you? A very panicked plain suit guy says, Oh, no, no, no. We've arrived now at the top of page 14. Sinestro has approached Doiby, and he says, Good. Before we go, I see that this one's carrying a device on him I can put to good use. Sinestro rather weirdly puts his hand on top of Doiby's head and removes something from Doiby's person. Doiby thinks, Taking my dimension changer. The no good. But he's cut off. The next panel shows Sinestro regarding the frozen Green Lanterns and Doiby. And Sinestro, with a big grin on his face, says, 
And as for you two justice-loving crusaders, by the time your paralysis wears off, it will be too late for you to interfere with my plans. Far too late. <laughs> as the master of malevolence whisks off with his cohorts, leaving behind him three statue-like victims. This is a terrific panel. I reckon I'll probably put this one in the socials. Sinestro is flying off with little beams of yellow energy emerging from his power ring to drag the three gangsters along behind them. They now look out as if they're starting to enjoy themselves, it must be said. Yes. And leaving behind the wreckage of Goytrude and the frozen Hal, Doiby and Alan. Hal is thinking, using the yellow beam of his power ring to make a getaway. And Alan thinks, We can't make a move to stop him. And Doiby thinks, My poor Goytrude. Yeah, we can see the smoking wreckage of Goytrude lying in the road. Now a little editor's note at the bottom of this panel, and it says, Part of Sinestro's evil equipment is his own special ring, which emits a sinister, all-powerful yellow radiation. Mm. So, it's a change of scenery again. So the next panel at the bottom of page 14, and a caption that says, And not long afterward, on the planet of Oa, the far-off home of that all-but-mythical race, the mighty guardians of the universe. And this panel shows three of the guardians of the universe standing before the great... Greenland's on central power battery. There appears to be a voice emerging from the from the battery, as if they're receiving some kind of transmission, and this voice says Reporting to control, we have just completed the daily inspection of the master power battery. All is well. It is functioning perfectly as usual. And one of the three assembled guardians says with great foreboding Nothing must ever go wrong with this master battery. It supplies the energy to the smaller batteries of all our brave Green Lanterns. Top of page 15, the caption says, Just as the inspection ends... Uh-oh, it's gone a bit west, because the giant central power battery has gone translucent. It looks like it's fading out, and indeed, one of the Guardians says, Look, the master battery! And the second Guardian says, It is fading away! And the next instant, incredibly, there's a massive burst of green energy, and one of the Guardians declares, The battery has vanished! It's all kicking off now. The caption of the next panel says, Suddenly, before the shocked Guardians, appears an astral image. Yep, it's the head of Sinestro beaming down at the Guardians, and he says, I see you recognise me, my former superiors and self-righteous judges. Yes, it is I. Sinestro, I have taken your master battery and transported it to another dimension, another universe, over which you guardians have no power. You will never get it back. This is the end of your anti-evil reign. But just the beginning of mine. I will use your great battery in my own way to restore the power of evil in the cosmos. That is my mission. My destiny. Farewell. I wonder where this other dimension is. Could it be Dimension X or Dimension Zero? Could it be... Anyway. Um, the caption for the next panel at the bottom of page 15 says... As the image disappears... Three very disturbed guardians. The first one says... He, he is mad. And the second guardian says... He must be stopped. And another one says... Quickly, contact control at once. Arrive at the top of page 16, the caption says, Out from Oa flashes an urgent message to Green Lanterns across the universe. This is a very Gil Kane panel. You see one of the, the Guardians floating, and the floating heads of lots of the different members of the Green Lantern Corps. And the Guardian is transmitting the message. This is a cosmic emergency. Sinestro is at large once again. He has stolen the Master Power Battery. It must be recovered within the next 24 hours, or your rings will be powerless. Evil will overrun the universe. This is a great panel. This one will go on the socials as well, I'm sure. You can see Tomari amongst the assembled lanterns. Katmatu, is that how you pronounce it? Katmatu, yeah. yeah. And I forget his name, but the, the guy that's basically sort of space asparagus guy that turns up <laughs> in the James Robinson Starman at one point and betrays everyone. Spoiler. We have a few others that are quite interesting yeah. whose names we don't know. There's one that seems to be a robot, mm. which is interesting. There's like an amphibian fishman, 
there's a guy with a yellow head. That one that looks a bit like Walrus Man from Star Wars in the back. <laughs> yeah, there's another sort of yellow one that looks almost like a kind of insect sort of. Mm-hmm. It looks. It reminds me of the the sort of um the Martians from Quatermass in the Pit, and behind uh-huh. him there's a big baldy domed blue skinned fellow. So yeah, all sorts going on. If you can name all of these Green Lanterns, please do get in touch and tell us who they are. Yes, terrific. So panel two of page sixteen, the caption says, "And on Earth." see Hal and Alan and they're obviously receiving the message from the Guardian because we can see the Guardian's voice saying Sinestro must be found and a mightily quiffed Hal Jordan is thinking so that's what Sinestro meant by a gigantically evil scheme he's stolen the giant power battery from the Guardians it is my responsibility because I put him in the amber cube from which he managed to escape somehow I must recapture him as the full weight of what has happened settles on the desperate crusader. It's a very dynamic shot of the frozen Green Lanterns and Doiby. Hal continues to think. I must break out of this paralysis it put me in. Now, if I wait until the paralysis wears off, my ring will be powerless, and it will be too late just as Sinestro boasted. Calling upon the deepest reserves of his invincible willpower... Hal Green Lantern strains to regain control over his nerves and muscles. And it almost looks as though Hal is vibrating with the effort. You can see the sweat on his brow as he's thinking, I've got to move! Got to! Top of page 17, you can see the sweat pouring off Hal. Alan has noticed what he's trying to do, and Hal is thinking, I sense what Hal is doing. I must try to aid him. Concentrate mentally and project my willpower to back up his own. Then, as the combined force of will of the Crusaders bursts the invisible bonds gripping one of them... And Hal is free, indeed, he says. I'm free. Now I can use my ring. In seconds after surging emerald energy has liberated the other two... Hal is saying to Alan and Doiby, and according to the emergency alarm sent out by the Guardians, Sinestro has gone into another dimension... Into your universe of Earth too, Alan, where the sway of the Guardians does not extend. Alan says, Going to inflict his evil in my world too. They're busting a move in the next panel, all starting to run off. Hal says, We must track him down at top speed. The master power battery must be recovered within the next 48 hours. Let's go, Hal. And Dobie running behind them says, He too, that no good crumb. Hal looks back and says, No, Dobie. Taking on Sinestro and his criminal army is a job for Alan and me. We don't want you to get hurt, Alan says. Hal's right, Doiby. You wait here. Spectacular shot of Hal Jordan's buttocks, it must be said, in this panel. The caption for the final panel on page 17 says, Before the doughty ex-cabbie can protest. Alan and Hal fly off, leaving Doiby behind. Doiby thinks, Gee, they shouldn't oughta have done that. Hal is saying to Alan, We'll use our rings together plunge through the dimensional barrier between your Earth and mine as fast as possible. Top of page 18, the first caption says, But Dickles is not one to just stand around and wait. We see Dobby rushing towards his royal space scooter, and he's thinking, Alan and Hal may need me. I gotta join them on Earth too and quick. What they don't realise is that my wife, Princess Ramia, sent me to school in Merg to learn some simple futuristic science. And I can use my space scooter toolkit to make a new dimension changer, in place of the one Sinestro stole from me, so that he could get into Earth too. Dobby's inside his spaceship at this point, working away, and he continues to think, There! Now to see if this works. The caption for the next panel says, As Dobby operates his homemade gadgets. And this is a nice little trippy Gil Kane panel here, not quite as good as when Hal was traversing the dimensions no. in Green Lantern 32, if you remember that episode. We can see the spaceship, it's just, it, yeah, there's a burst of orange light and some yellow light and some weird shapes around them. Obviously, the dimension change is working to an extent. Doiby is thinking, yikes, what's happening? All them lights and everything. Maybe I should have paid more attention to my schoolwork. But an instant afterward, burst of energy, it looks as though the Royal Space Scooter is emerging onto Earth 2 indeed. And Doiby is thinking from inside, huh? I didn't go no place. This is where I was before them lights started flashing. But I better make sure. I'll cruise around a bit and have a look-see. 
Then... Maybe it's taken to the air in the Royal Space Scooter and we see him flying above the missing Owen Central power battery and from inside his spaceship he's thinking, Zowie, I am on Earth too. He looks down and thinks, There's Sinestro and the giant power battery. Looks like I got here ahead of Hal and Alan. Sinestro obviously reacts to seeing Doiby and he thinks, The Green Lantern's fatso friend. Oh, what a, what a nasty man you are, Sinestro. The final panel of page 18, Sinestro is taken to the air, flying up towards the Royal Space Scooter. Doiby is thinking, Oh, Sinestro spotted me. I can't fight him single-handedly. I'd better wait for reinforcements and step on the gas out of here. Sinestro is thinking, How did he escape from the paralysis I put him in? I've got to find out. We arrive at the top of page 19, and the caption says, and as Toiby whisks off, pursued by the aroused Master of Malevolence. The aroused Master of Malevolence. Uh-oh, that sounds rude. There's a flash. In fact, there's two flashes of red and orange energy from the side of the panel. As Green Lantern's Hal Jordan and Alan Scott arrive on the scene, Alan is saying, We've broken through the dimensional barrier, Hal. And Hal says, Right on target. There's the Master Power Battery, surrounded by Sinestro's minions. And what looks like, we can see on the ground... There's about seven or eight other Sinestros. Yes. Interesting. And then down on the ground, we can see the Sinestros looking up at the two Green Lanterns approaching, and one of the Sinestros says, The two Green Lanterns. But we have power rings now, made for us by Sinestro, using the Master Power Battery. At them, all of you, evil Green Lanterns. Wow. So has he assembled a, a whole little army out of the gangsters that he brought with him and some other guys? It's fascinating. It's like it. The two Green Lanterns... We can see them in the distance up in the air. Hal says, Evil Green Lanterns? Alan says, There's still one charging his ring. And we can see one of Sinestro's gang standing at the top of a little flight of stairs charging a ring at the power battery. And he is saying, In brightest day, in blackest night, no justice shall escape my sight. Let those who worship justice's might beware my power. Evil Green Lantern's light. And a tiny caption box says, Story continues on fifth page following. Yep, the rest of the story page is rounded out with an advertisement for issue 101 of Jimmy Olsen. The opposite page had an advertisement for an Aurora model kit of the Green Hornet's motor car, Black Beauty, which proves that Green Hornet was a legacy character there, influenced by the famous novel by Anna Sewell. And from inside his model kit, Green Hornet is saying, Faster, Cato! And then over the page, past the letters page, another letters page for that issue, and DC Direct Currents, an advertisement for some stamps, an advertisement for some more stuff, and then we arrive at the top of page 20, and the caption for this enormous panel, which is probably going to go on the socials, says, In the battle of power rings that promptly breaks out, a certain experience born of countless combats on the side of justice pays off. And this huge panel very Gil Caney, so you can see that it's a lot. Of, it's a bunch of guys basically wearing Sinestro's uniform as their own uniform, but they are, they're all different. They've all got different hairlines, different faces, but they're all brightly coloured pink like Sinestro. So basically, the two Green Lanterns are blasting them with their power rings. We have a giant quark sound effect and a giant grumph sound effect, and as they're blasting, Hal is thinking, "These evil Green Lanterns haven't learned to back their rings with their willpower. That's a trick you don't learn overnight." Alan is thinking, they just can't get the force into their beams and Hal and I get into ours. I love getting the force into my beam. So, there's only one other panel on page 20 and it has a caption that says, And moments later, as the hard-pressed space scooter using evasive tactics flashes over the scene once more, just a tick ahead of its awesome pursuer. So we're down on the ground with Alan and Hal looking up and we can see Doiby's Royal Space Scooter and Sinestro flying down as well. Hal says, We've routed Sinestro's henchmen, huh? Great Guardians, it's Doiby! Alan says, followed by Sinestro. And up in the air, from the scooter, Doiby is thinking, Huh, that's a sight for sore eyes. My reinforcements have arrived. Sinestro is flying down towards Alan and Hal, and he's thinking, The two Green Lanterns, they escaped from my paralysis too. Before anything else, I've got to take care of them. Over the page, top of page 21. As the Master of Mischief zooms at his foes, two streams of violent energy pour from him. Yeah, there's a little burst of green energy coming from his left hand, and a burst of yellow energy, uh-oh, coming from his right. Looking up at Sinestro, Alan is thinking, Sinestro, armed with two power rings now, green and yellow. 
shooting his yellow beam at Hal, because he knows Hal's ring is no defense against anything yellow. I've got to act fast. And there's a momentum-killing little editorial caption box here that says, Due to necessary impunity in its manufacture, GL's beam has no power over anything yellow. In panel two, we can see that Alan has conjured a green lantern energy shield in front of him to deflect Sinestro's bow, and then he thinks, I've used my ring to turn Sinestro's yellow beam black. Now Hal's ring will be able to handle it. Sure enough, with a blast of energy from his ring, Alan has stopped Sinestro in his tracks. Sinestro says, Trying to make things more difficult for me, eh? The next panel, Hal is firing his power ring beam at the black beam from Sinestro's hand, diverting that away. Hal says, Great going, GL. That's what I call teamwork. Sinestro looking really pissed off, it must be said. Little waves of anger radiating off him. He says, Bah! I'm still more than a match for you two simpering justice lovers. <laughs> and I'll prove it. I mean, that's crazy. It looks like something from Vezo the Beano, doesn't it? Yes. It's crazy. The caption for the next panel says, With incredible force, the double-ringed villain launches an all-out attack. Yep. Sinestro has doubled down. We see a full-on burst of yellow energy from his yellow ring, full burst of green energy from his green ring, striking both green lanterns. Hal goes flying back, thinking, His ring energy! Bursting through our beams with stunning strength. Caption of the next panel. But the two gladiators are only momentarily stunned. Hal says. We need more teamwork against him. Let's fuse our two beams into one for double power. I was just going to suggest it. Turn on the juice before he can follow up his advantage. Top of page 22, the caption of the first panel says. As the combined beams strike with invincible power. And we see Sinestro being struck by the twin beams of Jade Energy as off-camera, Doiby thinks. Wow, the two lanterns hit Sinestro so hard they knocked the power rings clean off his fingers. And that's what we see. It almost looks like Sinestro's just gone, <sighs> throwing them away. It does, it does yeah. He's the, throwing the yellow one away casually and the right one's falling away as well. The caption then for the next panel says... Disdaining his beam against a ringless foe, Hal GL delivers the coup de grace with gloved knuckles. And there's a massive scrunch as Hal punches out Sinestro. Poor Sinestro, he's probably a better days. And Hal is saying, I'm ringing down the curtain on your act, Sinestro, but with my fist instead of my ring. Later, after Green Beam Power has returned the Master Power Battery to Oa and Sinestro along with it... Oh, I'd have liked to have seen that. I mean, obviously, it could, they could have another page of that, but it's... Yeah, obviously, maybe, they have to tie everything up very quickly. Yeah, so. maybe the Guardians. Well done, Hal Jordan. That sort of thing, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so, Hal and Doiby and Alan are standing in a little circle, and Alan's cape is billowing behind them. We're looking down on them from above, and Hal Jordan is saying, The Guardians themselves will deal with Sinestro now, Alan. After this latest escapade, they have decided that he merits their personal attention to make sure that he never troubles them or anyone else again. Alan replies, Good. Then the problem is out of our hands. In the aftermath of victory, certain facts emerge. Hal is in the middle of an explanation. We can join him as he's saying. And what happened in the beginning involving your taxi doiby was this. I had imprisoned Sinestro in an amber cube. There's a little asterisk and a note that says, World of Perilous Traps in Green Lantern number 18. Hal continues, And I kept the cube invisibly in my garage, along with Goytrude. I believed Sinestro to be completely helpless. But it was only his body that was helpless. His mind, vigorous and restless as ever, managed to tap the power in Goytrude's recharge battery and sent out a shockwave that cracked the amber, enabling his mind to escape and enter the car. You both know the rest. Over the page to page 23, the caption says, As the time for parting nears for the three friends. So shot of Alan, Doiby and Hal, and Alan Scott Greenland and about two is saying, Hal. Doiby says he'd rather not have Goytrude and Merck. He says she'd look too old-fashioned there. So, as a present to Doiby on his first wedding anniversary, I've used my ring to make a substitute gift. The scale model of Goytrude, exact in every detail. And we get a nice close-up of Alan's hand holding the scale model of Goytrude. It's, it's lovely. The next panel was a very tearful-looking Doiby who says, I, I am overwhelmed. As Alan offers him the model car. In the background, Hal smiles and thinks, Doiby is so touched, I think he's about to bawl. Oh, caption for the next panel then says, After the soft-hearted Dickles has gone off with his precious gift. 
Hal is saying to Hal, And Sinestro intended to use his sinister green lanterns to flood the universe with evil and destroy justice wherever it exists. And Hal says, Yes, Alan. Just as it is our mission to destroy evil wherever it exists. He failed as those who worship evil must always fail. But now, I must get back to my own Earth, Alan. We'll meet again soon, I trust. We sure will, Hal. And they shake hands, a nice burst of energy behind them. And in the final panel, we're back with Tom, who's looking right at us once again, closing the case book, and he's saying, And after Hal returned home, he used his ring to restore Goitrude, and put the car back in storage for safekeeping. Then he told me all about the adventure, just as I've recounted it to you, reader, from my casebook of Green Lantern. The, the end. end. Well then. There we are. That was epic. It was certainly a bit more Green Lantern-y than the last one, mm. the Prince Perro's Power Play, which was all about Dobby for the first half. Yes. Dobby obviously quite a lot doing this one, but it was a bit uh-huh. more, it felt a bit more Green Lantern-y. I loved Alan and Hal's info dump, as I'm sure you know, dialogue at the very start, when yes. they kind of brought each other and ourselves up to speed with everything that was going on. Of course. Of um, course. A lot of fun. It was interesting that at least three times in the story we join people mid-conversation just as they're finishing off uh, explaining something. Yeah, that's, right. That's got a little like John Broom tick that he does. Instead John Broom, I love his stories. He's just yes. so crazy. He's a, he's a good guy. Yes. It's like, I was thinking about this the other day and if you look at the two main writers of the Silver Age for DC, you've really got Gardner Fox and John Broom really bringing things forward. And I was trying to think of like Bronze Age equivalents. I think... Gardner Fox in the Bronze Age, Jerry Conway kind of took on that role right. as a primary storyteller. I see that, yeah. But John Broom is a bit more wacky and off the wall. I think Carrie Bates is kind of like the John Broom of the Bronze sure. Age. We'll go on to these these other writers much later on in the podcast, folks. But I love John Broom's stuff. It's yeah. just so crazy. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, um, crazy. this was a lot of fun. It was it was nice to see Sinestro. Quite amusing. They, you know, they used the the idea from the sitcom. Even yeah. more amusing than the gangsters referring to it. It's strange that Sinestro hadn't actually been in the comics since issue 18. Aye, and this is issue 52. Time. I mean, yeah. these days, he turns up pretty much constantly in mm-hmm. Green Lantern. Uh, and it's a complete staple of the, of the series. But yeah, to have that character be out in the book for such a long time is ridiculous. I mean, it's nice that he came back and faces up to both Green Lanterns in this yeah. instance. Mm-hmm. Sinestro knows about Earth 2. Yes. That's probably yes. well noting as significant. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I wish we did a little bit more about the creation of his army because, you know, the gangsters, the hoods that were with him at the start that fly off and then suddenly we see all these guys in Sinestro Most uniforms yeah. with pink faces and it's like, right, yeah. you know, did he assemble an army? Did he assemble a Sinestro corps? It looks like he did. <laughs> it looks like he did. Yeah. But they were wearing the classic Sinestro outfit and not the silly yellow lantern one that I don't like. The classic you know, Sinestro is, is fantastic. The classic Sinestro was very of its time, but I was really into that whole thing when they, they expanded mm. and created all the different cores. And I really I was yeah. into the fact that there was a, an army of you know Greenlanders motivated by fear. And yeah. you know I loved all that stuff. I really did. I wish I'd bought all the action figures, but I was I was getting a bit more sensible at that point. Yeah. Only buying characters who appeared in Crisis and Infinite Earth. <laughs> There's a really great Flash story in which Sinestro comes to Earth to try and meet up with the Flash Rogue Weather Wizard and he contacts him through the tailor Gamby, Paul Gamby, who wow. makes the uh, yeah. who makes the uniforms for the rogues. And when he walks into Paul Gamby's, uh, Gamby says, well, obviously you're not here for a uniform because yours is fantastic the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, with, I stand with Paul Gamby. <laughs> uh, Sinestro's classic uniform is just that classic very, very distinct. Yeah. What did you think of of Mister Kane's artwork in this issue? It's incredibly nice. Yes, I really liked it. It's certainly it's more heading towards the stylized Gil Kane artwork that we're more aware of and recognise from his like late silver and early Bronze Age periods. Yeah. But it's great storytelling. It's very good, very concise. Does yeah. everything it has to do, and he doesn't over noodle things. It's like some people have got a tendency to do. Certainly yeah. back then, he, he does do a bit more style, but it's all contained. Yeah, I mean, we we got obviously a couple of panels here that were kind of vaguely reminiscent of some of the the trippier ones we got in the last one. Like uh-huh. I like the collage of Green Lantern heads, and I like the panel when all the the Sinestro army were getting blasted. I I noticed a, a loosening. In his facial features that he was drawing, uh-huh. you know, they look—they struck me as being very eighties Gil Kane in a way that the rest yeah. of the stuff didn't. I noticed there was quite a few panels where there wasn't a lot of background detail. I'm not sure, but the thing that really struck me was how how heavy it looked. 
I mean, the black lines were really heavy, especially yeah. some of the earlier pages. And was this Gil Kane inked by Alex Toth? Is what I was thinking. You know, it felt a lot weightier than his, his stuff normally does. Yeah, that'll be addressed when we talk about the letters. For ah, interesting. Ah, yeah. Okay, good, go. good, good. Green Lantern's an interesting title because it seems to be the one that breaks the fourth wall most, most often. Because before, of course, uh, we've had Gil Kane talk yes, to us yes. uh, to the reader. Also, Black Hand does it as well, mm-hmm. and now Tom's doing it. Yeah. So yeah, it seems to be quite the trope for Green Lantern characters yeah. to casually mm-hmm. chat with the reader. It feels a very silver agey sort of thing to do, doesn't it? You know, yeah. as if the whole thing is quite unreal and mm-hmm. heightened. I mean, one thing that I liked as well was the bit with the Sinestro Army guy reciting his oath. That was pretty yes. cool. And the oaths on the cover, I mean, I love the oath. It was nice to see that being used. Mm-hmm. This is the third team-up of the two of them. Yeah. A little bit more of a serious cosmic threat than the second one. Yeah. But not quite as dense a read as what we got in Green Lantern issue 40. Uh-huh. This is the third Green Lantern team-up since the last time we had a Flash team-up. <laughs> yes, that's been, uh-huh. You know, we've had the first Atom team-up. Jay Garrick, wherefore thou art thou, etc. Or whatever. <laughs> There's one really silly comparison that I want to make. Okay. Do you not think that Doiby's uh, space scooter looks very much like Danger Mouse's spaceship? Can't remember. Except, Danger Mouse's spaceship. Except it's red. It's <laughs> red, not yellow. We'll probably put at least one panel of it on the uh-huh. socials. Maybe the one when he's when he's tripping the light fantastic. It does look like Danger Mouse's spaceship, right. except without the big DM on the back. We'll have to post a comparison on the socials then, won't we, at some point? Yeah. I like the fact it just looks like one of the very first waves of mini Transformers. You know, it just looks... <laughs> So straightforward. You can mm-hmm. imagine it just sort of sliding the front piece sliding forward and the, the wheels becoming his hands or something. Yep. I liked Doiby being proactive, interdimensional, mm-hmm. adventuring on his own. That was pretty cool, you know. Yep, absolutely. Even he was always just a comedy psychic. It was nice to see him getting a bit more to do with it. Yeah. The other thing as well we should probably maybe mention is Tom flashing it back to when Hal still worked at Ferris and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And uh-huh. this is only seven issues after the last one. I wonder if this story took place for the two Greenlands probably quite close to the Prince Perro one, aren't you? Well, it says a year after. One, a year after, one, so seven, year seven issues. So how much had changed then mm-hmm. for Hal between in those seven issues that you know it was already a year for Dobby being married, but as far as Tom was concerned, it yeah. was in the past and he had to point out yeah. this was when Hal still... Mm-hmm. So quite a lot of time must have passed under the, the bridge for Mr Jordan. Looks like it, yes. Time, is that mixing a metaphor? Time passing under the bridge? I don't know. Anyway. Well, shall we move on to the letters page I think now? that's an excellent idea. Excellent. Let's jump to Green Lantern's mail shoot from issue 55 of Green Lantern. And the first letter says, Dear Editor, Our mastermind, the car, is undoubtedly superior to any yarn that has appeared in a long, long time. I might go as far as to say that this 52nd issue of Green Lantern is superior to any of your many magazines that have been published in an even longer time. Good grief. In all honesty, this issue was nearly immortal. Perhaps the best part of the entire magazine was that beautiful cover. I do mean beautiful. I know, of course, that the pencils to this incomparable work of art were done by the extremely talented Gil Kane, but I can't figure out who did the inks. By the photographic hair, I would say Sid Green. But by the rather loosely drawn shadow lines, I would say Murphy Anderson. Would you be kind enough to identify him for me? Although the inside story and art may have been equalled and even surpassed by past issues, I must frankly say that this issue's cover was comparable to none. A masterpiece. Now we come to the story inside. Let's all stand up and give ye editor a rousing hand of applause for having at long last brought back the one and only Sinestro. I am one of those readers who screamed his lungs out for the return of the renegade Green Lantern so you can imagine the great thrill that surged through me when I finally got the wrapper off my subscription issue. Good old Sin. All true fans remember that clever nickname given to him by Maggot, his fight manager way back in issue 15. But lo, Sinestro was not the only guest star we readers were treated to this issue. We also got to marvel at the feats of the original Green Lantern. Surely our cup runneth over. The stage was all set, an all-star cast of characters, John Brubitt the typewriter and Gil Kane at the drawing board. What more could we ask for? Even despite the rather loaded cast, writer Brim was able to write a comfortable, non-cramped story. The explanation of how Sinestro escaped the amber trap was handled very well. Although Sin's body was trapped in the amber, it could still be assumed by the reader that his mind would be active. Knowing what extraordinary mental powers Sin has... The readers were led to believe that he could employ these powers to tamper with a simple car battery and eventually free his physical self, 
Give Mr. Broom a well done. Something else I would like to compliment you on. You're returning to the former credits format. The concept of previous issues had the Tiger, John Broom and Pussycat Gil Kane type of credits. The first time I read these in your magazine, I cried. The second time, I regurgitated. <laughs> Needless to say, these humorous credits ruined the entire issue for me. Like me. So I thank the stars for your knowledge and seeing the childishness, corniness and downright stupidity in continuing in this direction. And that's from Mike Flesher, Arlington, Texas. Ah, that's obviously a, a complete dislike of the, the marvelization, I suppose, of the, yes. of the credits, which they, they were probably doing. And also, Interesting. I mean, we didn't talk too much about Sinestro inside the car. That was actually quite hilarious. It went on for quite some time as yeah. well at the beginning. Um, and it's a shame if they hadn't had Sinestro on the cover. Yeah. That would have been a brilliant reveal. Uh -huh. You know, one of the things that we've got prepped for the additional content for this episode is the French reprint of this story. And the French reprint basically goes with the splash panel ah, of the two Green Arms and Doibee recoiling from, from Goytrude. Maybe obviously, you know, they wanted to pitch the fact that this is Sinestro back after such a long time. Mm -hmm. Let's put him on the cover, you know, make him visible. But if we hadn't known Sinestro was in it from the cover, yeah. that would have been a brilliant yeah. you know, reveal. You'd have been going, what's going on? Absolutely, yes. Mm. Cool. And there's an editorial response to this one, and it goes like this. The inking on that masterpiece of a cover was done by that one in a million inker, Murphy Anderson. The rest of your letters should leave us resting on laurels except for the uncomfortable barbs hurled at us by the next correspondent. So Murphy Anderson inked the cover, that makes sense, but somebody must have been splashing the black ink about inside. Yeah. Interesting. Right, the next letter. Dear Editor, after thoroughly going over GL52, I have come to but one conclusion. You could have done better. Oh, mm, not as much praise as the last time. No, not story-wise, but in the art department. Gil Kane, what's happened to you? Hmm. Mainly, I notice a lack of detail in the facial features. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Uh, so did I. But while the detail in the faces is skimpy, it is made up in the muscle tone, and that's no compliment. Doggone it, those guys have too many ding-busted muscles. About two years ago, Gil had achieved muscular perfection in his characters, but... Sigh... He wasn't satisfied. The result was a cast of characters, each of whom looked like a bag of rocks. But why in the name of Oa did you turn Sinestro into a Superman? Before, he was skinny, as though he was too busy hating the Guardians to eat. I still want to see him again, but can he lose some weight next time? <laughs> Blimey, body shaming, wow. Well, as Doiby Dickles would say, you sure came up with a good story, and you did. That, I mean, that Goytrude is really a gem. You know, Doiby should have taken her, it, with him. The princess might have been able to jazz Goytrude up like the vehicles of her dimension. Think of it, an interdimensional tax service. They'd clean up. Before I go, I'd like you to do two things for me. First, give my heartiest congratulations to Sinestro for conceiving such a bold and brilliant scheme of stealing the central power battery right under the noses of the Guardians. Second, punch Sinestro in the nose for stealing it. <laughs> and that letter's from Gary Skinner of Columbus, Ohio. And the editorial response to this one is... Do your own punching, Skinner. we just as soon it be no Skinner of our noses, <laughs> says the editor. <laughs> and the final letter from a familiar name, however, not the one you think it is, says... Dear editor, I was happy to note that the April Green Lantern marked the return of that emir of evil, Sinestro. He had been in the Amber Cube for so long that I was afraid you couldn't think of a way to have him escape. I was stumped long ago. I fully expected his return to be marked by a huge outpouring of evil, which characterised his previous appearances. Much to my surprise, it was humour, and not evil, that really made this story. Humour. Witness Doiby Dickel's cab aiding the most inept crooks in comicdom. Hey, that place looks familiar. Of course it's familiar, you clump. This is our hideout. <laughs> humour. The look in Doiby's face when he is told that his goitrude has taken to crime. Humour. Alan G.L. Scott's suggestion that Doiby try to reason with Goytrude, the <laughs> gang leader. Humour. The two Green Lanterns disposing of Sinestro's henchmen in one panel. What a flailing mass of superhumanity. <laughs> to find out what I thought of the story, take the first letter from each of the last four paragraphs, excluding this one, put them together, all together, and they spell H-H-H-H. Well, son of a gun, that wasn't supposed to ha happen. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's not humour. And that's from 
R.L. Thomas. And that's not Roy Thomas, it's a different R. Thomas. Mm. Honest. And there's no editorial response to that one. Thank goodness for that. I wonder if they would have told him where to go. <laughs> Gosh. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point that, you know, Sinestro doing a vaguely silly comedy sitcom inspired bit yeah. of nonsense instead of coming out right and mm. back, bitches, let's go full on yeah. Sinestro mm-hmm. war. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was what the readers at the time thought about the story. You've heard what we thought about the story, but what do you think about this story? Please get in touch. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our website. That's theearth2podcast.com, where you can find all our previous shows. And make sure you follow us on social media. We are at podcast underscore earth2 on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth 2 Podcast and it is the number two for all of our social media and our website. It certainly is. So we should probably say hello to Steve and Caitlin Higgins at this point. Hi there. Yep, thanks for listening. Hope you had fun reading along. Steve sent us a photograph of, a couple of photographs actually, of him and his daughter Caitlin reading along to some of the stories we've done in recent episodes and we absolutely loved seeing those, didn't we? Yes, it was fantastic. Um, yep. Brings a, a warm glow to this wasted old heart of mine, <laughs> as we said. So, hope you've enjoyed this one, Caitlin. Thank you, hope you enjoyed it too, Steve. We will speak to you soon. Um, that's probably us for this one, isn't it? Yes, it is. On that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Soon at Hal's garage, a train arrived. David lost his nut. <laughs>